Hello, everybody. Thanks again for joining in to another edition of SpinCast here at Stay Plugged In. Joining us today from Arkansas State University, we've got the Chancellor for Arkansas State University, Dr. Kelly Dampus, as well as Stephanie Lott. Stephanie is the current head coach of their esports program, as well as the Title IX and Institutional Equity Coordinator. So thank you both very much for joining us today. Hope everybody is doing okay under these circumstances. But uh, I sincerely appreciate it because uh, I have a personal story as to why I got into esports specifically. So I'm dying to learn what you guys have uh, uncovered there at Arkansas State. I know it's a fairly new program, um, but learn it. Dying to hear more about what your um, expectations are as you kind of move forward in this esports space, if you will. But before we do that, let's just start off. If you don't mind, if you can both share a little bit about your background, how you kind of got into the esports space with Arkansas State, and what brought us to where we are today from an esports perspective. So if you don't mind, Dr. Kelly, if you would start us off, that'd be great. Sure. Uh, thank you, Rick, for having us on today. We're happy uh, to represent Arkansas State and to talk about esports, which is becoming a huge deal across the country, across the world, really. Uh, my esports background is pretty limited, actually. Uh, I will say from a personal perspective, I remember I, when my kids were younger, they're in their 20s now, but when they were younger, we were buying games for their kids, their, their friends to play. And uh, they never really got into playing too much, but they started, I remember at Christmas and Thanksgiving, we'd go to the cousin's house and the boys were really into it, these shooting games. And my daughters would just sit there and watch them play. I said, why don't you want to play? I said, no, I just prefer just watching it. And I just, just from a personal perspective, I saw my kids enjoy watching other people play sports, which I thought was fascinating. Uh, if they weren't playing Guitar Hero, they were watching uh, their friends play and their cousins play. And then, um, so I started getting interested in this and I actually attended a, a conference at the NCAA in Orlando a, a couple of years ago. And I'll, I'll, I think this is a podcast, no one can see it, but I'll show it so that you can see it here. And you can see that's what the room looked like. <laughs> and you can tell there was nobody there. It was a huge room with about 500, 600 seats in it. And there was nobody there. I got there about five minutes early and, and I took that picture and sent it to my wife and said, I guess I'm the only one who cares about esports. And about five minutes later, the room filled. It was packed. And luckily, I had a good seat up front. And it was all these universities who were basically sharing how they got started in esports. And um, it was standing room only. The place was completely packed. And in the midst of that, I texted one of my colleagues and said, Hey, what do you know about esports? And, and they said, Well, uh, I don't know much about it, but I know Stephanie's really into it. So I texted her right in the middle of the, of the session and said, Stephanie, do you know anything about esports? And she wrote, I, she wrote back, she said, literally, I had to pause my game I'm playing right now. It was a Saturday <laughs> afternoon uh, to answer you. And so that began kind of our conversation about how esports work at universities. And maybe this is a good segue into Stephanie talking about how she got involved both as a player and then now as a coach. Yeah. Sure. Uh, thank you for that. So I've been playing video games ever since uh, I was a small child. I, I grew up, um, you know, with pretty much every console you can think of, all the way from the original PlayStation in 64, all the way back um, to where you had to blow in the game cartridges kind of thing. So like been there, clean it with Q-tips kind of thing. So um, been playing for a long time and it's just always been a hobby, a passion. And then I heard that we were interested in starting an esports program at the university. And I said, you know, that would be a really great opportunity for me. I would really like to do that on the side. I think I have a lot of knowledge I can contribute to that. And so it just became um, 
uh, an everyday an everyday thing where we had this conversation more more about esports and starting a program and I became more and more invested in it and um, it's been a really great experience since then so we've really just built a program from the ground up utilizing a lot of others that we saw around us and then what fit our culture and our campus and it's just been really successful so that's awesome that's awesome kudos to you guys for jumping on board that esports train if you will I think it's such a win-win not just for the students but for the university as well because of the inclusivity and the diversity um, reaching some students that potentially might not be part of an athletic program or part of a different club etc so and so many people game you know all three of my kids game whether it's at a social level some more a little bit more competitively and obviously between so that's that's a great thing here well, let's talk a little bit about that Stephanie uh, from your perspective what were some of the challenges beginning the esports program at Arkansas State? So I, I would say initially it was just really thinking about being intentional. You know, anybody can go buy a PC. Anybody can go buy some LED lights and some chairs and set up some stations and say, oh, we play esports here. But to have a structure that attracts students who want to compete that see it as more than just me playing with other folks here instead of me playing in my bedroom, who saw it as an opportunity for competition, who wanted to take it more seriously than the casual players. Um, that was something we had to be really intentional about in our recruitment efforts. Um, you know, when we had interest meetings with students, they said we were gonna hold an interest meeting. And um, I think Dr. Davis and I were both kind of skeptical. We were like, I don't know how many people would show up to this. You know, I was thinking maybe 30, 50 kids. And there were about 300 people who like, instantly. It was, it was finals week too. Yeah. I mean, in the middle of finals, we thought no one's gonna show up. And wow. yep. and, and, it was, and it was filled. Um, and so the interest was there. And so that was the, the easy part. That was kind of an anxiety hurdle I had in my mind. And then it was easily quashed. Um, but from there, it's just being intentional about what we wanted to do that fit our culture here. And then making sure that we were on board with other colleges and putting us you know, at the top where we needed to be. We could start out small if we wanted to, but why? It, why would we do that if we had institutional support and funding that a lot of other schools don't have? Why wouldn't we just go the full 100? you know, and see where it took us. And so um, I think the hurdle in that, that a lot of schools face, we unfortunately didn't have to. Um, a lot of schools, their biggest hurdle is institutional support. And so for us, I really can't speak to too many hurdles that we had, to be honest with you, which is a very unique experience um, for us compared to a lot of other schools because we had the institutional support. And so I think that that has made all the difference. Great, great. And for you, uh, Dr. Kelly, talk a little bit about what your buy-in was. There's always that aha moment to a degree as to, yeah, I've heard of these, especially this industry. It's so it's still new, it's, it's in its infancy. Um, and I think for every administrator at some point, they look at, well, should we, shouldn't we, should we, shouldn't we, what are the benefits to our school, to our, to our culture, to our students? So what were some of those things that came across your desk that made you say, you know what, we need to do this? Well, I'm, I'm a really curious person. I'm always learning. I love learning about other things that are going on and innovations that are happening. And I started seeing smaller schools, school universities and colleges smaller than us starting these esport programs. And I think I was just maybe saw a story in the Chronicle of Higher Education about this. And I started reading more and more about this. And then I discovered that a lot of high schools in the state of Arkansas had esport programs. And then I thought, what a huge recruiting opportunity this would be for us. And I, you mentioned something about inclusivity. Uh, I think that's a huge issue there. And you mentioned people who weren't involved in sports. There's all kinds of ways you can get more inclusive with by gender and race, ethnicity, and, and uh, 
socioeconomic status and so on. And so I thought, what a great opportunity for us to, to reach a different market for, for Arkansas students. We typically recruit pretty heavily in Arkansas as uh, we're the state institution, state university. And so we, we thought, what a, there's a niche there. We could kind of grasp this. No one else was doing it in the state. Let's be the first ones to start an esport program and, and to, to, to establish our foothold in that market space. And so it was a recruiting issue, but it was also for me kind of a, a great opportunity to provide another, another way for students to engage with the university that they couldn't otherwise. If they, if they can't jump high and run fast and so on, uh, here's another way to represent the university. Now, we have lots of club activities with debate and, and uh, some other uh, athletics that aren't really uh, NCAA sports like archery and shooting and so on. But this was just another avenue for our students to get involved with. And the aha moment for me was that that first session we held with students when we had so many people show up in the middle of finals week and, uh, and they stuck with it. They just, the, the demand was there and the demand continues. Uh, and all the, all the articles that have been written about esports in the past bit about how many people are engaging in it. I mean, billions of people. And one of our, one of our students is going to go pro is a, he's going to play, what is it? Rock, he's going to play rocket league, I think as a yeah. professional. Yeah. And that's, blew my mind when he told me he was going to go pro it blew my mind and so that's what i thought we're, we're on to something really important here just don't forget to get donations for your new arena <laughs> donated by one of your previous students yeah. that's awesome no that's awesome yeah. um dr kelly let's stay with that for a moment obviously now you're bought in right you're not just going in small scale it sounds like you are now going into a full bore saying look we're going to do this the right way we want the right students coming into the right culture here at arkansas state so let's project out a little bit. Obviously, COVID-19 shut everything down um, almost probably before you could get a full running start, if you will. But if you were to look into a crystal ball, say three to five years from now, what would you like to see as this esports program continues to evolve for your campus? You know, the cool thing about esports is that COVID-19, if you do it right, has almost no impact on it because you can do everything so virtually. Uh, we invested in physical infrastructure. We built a HQ center and we've got a bunch of consoles and computers and so on. And we're, we're perfectly happy for people coming together. And I think we can figure out how to do that with social distancing in the short term. Mm -hmm. uh, but we feel like we've got a really good facility. That was the first thing. Uh, the next thing is to start thinking about um, uh, right now, for example, Stephanie's a volunteer coach. And so at some point we have to figure out how to professionalize the coaching thing. And I'm not just saying this because she's here, but I, She's done an incredible job, and we want to figure out how to you know, have a coach who's more, even more dedicated beyond just a volunteer level, and then start thinking about offering scholarships for people and recruit people specifically to come play esports. And that's that's the progression down the line. Two or three years from now, we start to see um, that people are coming to a state to play esports and getting a scholarship to continue their their college to get their college degree as well. Just like we have with rugby, we have people from all over the world coming to A-State to play rugby. They would never come here otherwise, but we've got a great rugby program, and then we've got a coach who doesn't, not making nearly as much as he deserves, but we're paying him, and, and they've got a rugby pitch and so on. So that's, that's where I see this kind of going, uh, having esports be equivalent to our cheer and spirit squad and our rugby team. Those are both what we call the, um, the high-level club sports, uh, which is opposed to the current lower level where it is where everything is volunteer uh, coaching uh, and, and 
and basically a lot of those things are run with uh, fundraisers. People are selling, having bake sales to, to help fund their trips and things like that. We want to elevate esports. We see that as a, as a great potential for growth. Yeah, <clears throat> no doubt about it. Especially uh, as you mentioned, this COVID-19, this didn't really stop esports of anything. It's expanded the growth and the knowledge of it because now it's everywhere. I mean, all kids are doing it through a social medium currently. Um, and typically now, if you won't turn on almost any television station on the weekend, you'll kind of see something, whether it's iRacing, NBA TK, Madden, uh, Rocket League was on, and I forget the name of the superstar from uh, men's soccer. He was actually on it as, as a guest broadcaster uh, as well. So anyway, it's kind of opened up a lot of eyes and ears, if you will, to this space in general. Um, Stephanie, talk a little bit about your progression. I know, again, we started this program, I believe, fall of 2019, correct? That's correct. Okay, so talk a little bit about your progression in terms of getting students in. It sounds like that was the no-brainer. You had probably too many, you probably had to push them back. Um, and how the club level looks now for you. How many different games, what titles, um, and what does that look for kids that may not be on the most competitive teams? Are there some potential sure. opportunities just below that? Sure, so we started out doing tryouts in July, uh, late July, August of 2019. And we ended up fielding teams in Rocket League, League of Legends, Overwatch, Fortnite, and Apex. And then we had a couple players that also dabbled in FIFA and in 2K. And so we had a pretty good um, array of games there. And we joined NACE, the National Association of Collegiate Esports. And so we began there. That's really a startup for, for newer programs to kind of build and get their foot in the door. And so we had a lot of success there. Um, we competed in TESPA as well and, and some other well-known avenues. Um, we had a breakout year, if if I'm being honest. Our Overwatch team, there are approximately 550 collegiate teams that compete in Overwatch and TESPA, and our Overwatch team ended up placing in the top 10% in the nation, which is phenomenal. Um, because you have students, like all of these original students that started playing for us are students that are all originally A-State students. These are not students we recruited. This is homegrown institutional talent that already exists, which is phenomenal. That's the best thing you can ask for. Sure. Um, and so they had a they had a breakout year and it was really, really great to see that as well. And so a lot of our other programs did as well. Fortnite competed in a couple different tournaments. They actually won um, a, an invitational tournament in Memphis. Um, there were about a hundred solo players. We sent two of ours that normally complete as a, compete as a duo and they each place first and second sweeping the field. So there, there's a lot of different opportunities that we've had to showcase the talent that we already have at Arkansas State. And it's been really great where we've grown from there is now we are at a place where we've worked to be all year. I recently was asked to serve on the advisory council for uh, Midwest Esports that is now rebranded to be the Unified Collegiate Esports Association. Mm -hmm. And so through that, that is primarily for the top level collegiate esports competition. You're talking about varsity programs and coaches that are specifically hired as full-time staff members and paid. Mm -hmm. And there are two of us on that council that are club sport teams that just have high levels of competition and have built a really great reputation for their programs. And we happen to be one of those. And so I think that that in itself speaks to the time the players put in and the, and the time that we spent building our reputation on social media, recruiting students. Um, I wanted this program to be a student-led, student-driven program. And it really succeeded in that aspect. Um, it couldn't be anything other than that, given how much time I spent on my primary role. And so they really stepped up to the challenge and it 
you know, you talk about incorporating students and getting them to play a role in esports outside of just gaming, right? Mm -hmm. Casual gamers or folks who have an interest in video production or in graphics or in broadcasting. We incorporated all of those things. We have student casters. We have a YouTube coordinator um, who runs our YouTube channel for students. We have a Twitch. Um, and so we utilize the broadcasters there and some Twitch mods and folks have interest in that. And a lot of other graphic design students that assist us as well. And so we've really just tried to expand in ways in which we could engage as many students as possible. And it's been incredibly successful. And, and I, I think that you're going to continue to see that this year coming up. Um, we're going to expand into some new titles. We're obviously going to expand into Valorant. We have a lot of interest in Valorant. Um, the free-to-play is going to launch in like a month. And so we're going we're gonna to expand into that. Um, and we'd like to expand into CSO and, and Rainbow Six as well. Um, keeping all of our original other titles. So we're definitely going to expand and look to do that, which is super exciting. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think the success is completely related to the head coach, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. But, um, Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> Appreciate yeah, that, that goes without saying. <laughs> but you mentioned a number of great things there. For me personally, as a parent, that experiential learning, being able to be on that esports arena, but also do all of the surrounding components is a, res a huge resume builder and obviously a confidence builder. Being able to understand, hey, not only do I love this gaming aspect of things, I'm passionate here, but ultimately it can lead to a career here or here or here that I've identified through this exposure that Arkansas State has given me. So that's fantastic. Um, and I know we're gonna run up short on time, so I'm gonna switch back to you for a second, Doc. Um, Talk a little bit about, if you can, the social aspect. I think some of the things parents uh, get concerned about with video games uh, and gaming in general is, you know, is my son or daughter gonna be in their dorm, kind of just on their own island, if you will, and not have that normal collegiate interaction that a number of clubs or activities or sports can provide for them. And I found that to be incredibly different in esports. Um, so if you don't mind, talk a little bit about the exposure and the experience there. I'll mention a couple of things that are concerns I hear from folks. One is the social part of it, and the other is the health issue as well. You have students who are sitting around, hunched over a computer desk for a long time. Interestingly, this is an accent of history here, we actually have a medical school on our campus that is a branch of NYIT, College of Osteopathic Medicine. They're on our campus, and they have become kind of the national leaders in eSport health. And so some of our doctors here are, are researchers who are doing research on eSport health. And so they're kind of partnering with us. We had a competition with their eSports team a couple weekends ago. Uh, we won that one, by the way. Didn't we, Stephanie? We won that one, yeah. Didn't want to say that too loud. But, um, <laughs> health is a huge issue because there are, there are problems with being sedentary and so on and getting prepared to be a, I mean, these are eSport athletes and we have to make sure that they think of themselves as athletes. Eat, eat well, get good rest, take, you know, take care of your eyes and your, your posture and so on. The social part is interesting because there actually is a huge social component and it's the new way of socializing. I mean, look at what we're doing today. We're doing this on Zoom. Uh, the whole world will be doing more and more work from home and telecommuting and so on. And the capacity to get on a headset, not be intimidated and talk to somebody and have a conversation about strategy and to plan things out, those are all essential skills for the future. Uh, and those are all byproducts, I think, of esports. And I think about this with any student athlete who plays in the football team, the volleyball team. It's while you're learning skills about how to set, how to spike, and how to how to kick a soccer ball, and so on. Those skills are not always translatable into the real world. But all that other stuff on the outside of organization, 
time management, um, being part of a team, recognizing the strengths of others, promoting other people, uh, those things translate incredibly well into the real world. And the same thing happens with esports as well, I believe. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I see that quite a bit, especially for some children that they're not going to come out of their shell without that opportunity to a degree. Meaning, you know, finding that likeness in other kids that do the same things that they do all of a sudden frees them up to be better communicators, uh, to express themselves better. And believe it or not, in a number of the formats, and you, you guys have a great Overwatch team, communication is critical amongst the team. So things Absolutely. like that, I think, certainly help to evolve um, and influence this younger generation in the right direction. So, but uh, unfortunately, we are gonna be running up on time here. I know we have some previous engagements, but we definitely would love to circle back with you folks and kind of see how things are going a little bit, maybe post COVID-19. Uh, sounds like you guys have started this, not just the right way, but it's going in a fantastic direction as well. So hopefully our audience, even if it's just one, starts to understand a little bit more about what Arkansas State is able to provide for them. I think that's always special to at least impact that even if it's just one, person in the audience. So uh, again, I sincerely appreciate the two of you taking your time. Uh, we wish you the very best as we get through this uh, COVID-19 summer. Stay safe. And as usual, uh, for the audience, stay plugged in. Hopefully you'll join us again for the next SpinCast. Thank you both. Thank you, Rick. Thanks.